If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Chocolate can be your strength. I've been searching high and low for cocoa products that deliver meaningful amounts of healthful flavanols with great flavor and minimal sugar. So I'm thrilled to have found Flava Naturals. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. But you need to eat five or more ordinary dark chocolate bars every day to match the flavanols consumed in most of these studies. Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate Cocoa Powder and beverages deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium, high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. With so much emphasis on the microbiome these days, it's important to recognize that uh, what we eat and the probiotics that we take, uh, even the exercise that we do, uh, have a big impact on our health. Not just our gastrointestinal health, but it has pervasive effects throughout the body. Uh, today, we're going to take a deep dive on that subject, but from, uh, I think, a unique angle uh, it certainly is unique to me because um, what we're going to talk about today uh, is something called the estrobolome, uh, if I have the pronunciation correctly. Our guest is Dr. M.A. Shunny. She's a naturopathic physician, and uh, she uh, is an expert on the microbiome and its relationship to our hormones, in particular, uh, how it impacts women's health. And so, without further ado, here's our guest, Dr. Shunny. It's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Thanks Medicine. For having, it's, it's my thanks great for pleasure. having me. It's, it's been a while. Yes, indeed. You've, we've graced our airways in the past, but uh, we've got a whole new theme to cover. Uh, so, first of all, did I nail the pronunciation? Because, actually, i got to confess, this is a, a new word for me. Uh, I thought I was pretty deep into this, but uh, the estrobolome, if I'm pronouncing it correctly... Uh, that's a whole new ballgame, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think uh, you said it perfectly. You said it perfectly. You said my first name and my last name. So you're like, you're three <laughs> out of three right now. So bravo. Uh, awesome. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, leave, leave it to the microbiome to keep um, to keep uh, surprising us and, and to keep us on our toes, so to speak, right? Indeed. Well, so, so just review because, you know, there's, there's so much to this. You know, just, we're not just talking about constipation and diarrhea and irritable bowel syndrome. We're right. talking about how the microbiome impacts uh, the brain, the skin, and there's a food, mood, and gut brain connection, uh, or, or inflammatory response even. And then we'll get to this new concept of how it impacts uh, hormone status. Sure. So, I mean, you just backing up. I'm sure your listeners are, are well-versed in the importance of, of the microbiome, but just to, to lay it out here, right, the, the microbiome in the gut is made up of trillions of different types of microbes, bacteria and fungi, and and it plays this, this crucial role, which, you know, back when I was in medical school, naturopathic medical school 25 years ago, 
you know, we focused on the impact that that had on a person's digestive health and their gut function. So like you said, constipation, diarrhea, gas bloating, all of these things. And in the last 25 years, the field has literally just, just exploded with trying to understand the way in which, you know, the gut is really the seat of optimal health throughout our entire organism. Um, you know, and something like, I don't know, 70, 80%, I believe, of the immune cells and the immune system is in our gut, right? The production mm-hmm. of important neurotransmitters in our gut. The gut communicates to the brain. The gut impacts immune modulation and our immune response throughout the body. So when we have gut dysbiosis, or, you know, which is basically an imbalance of the microbiota in there, um, which, by the way, is so common, right? We think about, oh, antibiotics, I need to take probiotics to help rebalance my gut. And while that may very well be true, antibiotics and other medications certainly impact the gut. But our, just just being alive impacts the gut, you know, our genetics, how old we are, our weight, what we eat, how much alcohol and sugar we consume, our stress levels, environmental pollutants, and, and, and on and on and on. So we're kind of this, you know, we are literally carrying around trillions of organisms, which really impact our health across all systems. And what I've learned more recently, I, you know, women's health and hormone balancing is is the bread and butter of my practice, although I um, I treat lots of other things as well, um, is that I can't really properly optimize the gut, just like I can't properly, uh, excuse me, I can't properly optimize hormones, just like I can't really optimize people's mood challenges, people's immune challenges, if I, I don't go back and really look at gut health. So once again, there I am going back to the gut to try to create better balance throughout, including when it comes to hormones. And it seems that uh, our hormones are, are out of whack these days because we look at the incidence of so many uh, female cancers, uh, breast cancer and uterine cancer. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, men as well uh, prey to prostate cancer, which is thought to be all about testosterone, but it may actually be about uh, estrogenic uh, compounds uh, from the mm-hmm. environment or what are called endogenous compounds. In other words, we are, in effect, uh, estrogen factories uh, in our fat cells perhaps also in our gut. Yeah, and you know what? I'm so glad you, you brought that up, Dr. Hoffman, because this this really isn't just about women, right? It's it's about men as well, because men make and use estrogen, and the amount of circulating estrogen in their body is going to help them either function better or worse or potentially even put them at risk for, for other illnesses. So it really does, you know, this conversation is really important for for men and, and women. Um, but, yeah, I would say that, um, you know, hormone imbalance is... <laughs> is a bit of an epidemic. I mean, it, it certainly, um, it, it's an issue with the majority of the people that I see. And I, you know, part of that, I think, is our overall um, challenges with our gut because of all of the things that I just mentioned. I, and I think stress is such an outrageous driving factor in that because the way in which we're producing cortisol and responding to stress is is really going to impact um, how we make and metabolize our hormones as well. So I do think this is a, a really important issue and, um, and one that I think there's just more awareness around this concept that our hormones might be um, might be out of balance, might be contributing to, you know, the, the, the poor way in which we're feeling. There's more awareness so people are coming to their doctors more asking these kinds of questions. So it's, it certainly seems prevalent to me. And, you know, as you mentioned in the beginning, there is this part of the gut microbiome called the estrobilome. 
which is a collection of bacteria in the gut. And their job is to metabolize and modulate the amount of estrogen that's circulating in the body. Um, so, you know, if the bacteria in the gut um, and the estrobilome is, is off or imbalanced, that's going to affect how estrogen, um, the circulating estrogen levels in the body. And, and that just, you know, you know, long lists of the things that, that estrogen does. I mean, it impacts and regulates body fat deposition. Um, obviously, for women, it's crucial for reproductive health. It has a role to play in cardiovascular health, uh, bone turnover, cell replication. Um, so, you know, we looking at gut health um, and supporting that is absolutely a, a crucial part of making sure that the estrobilome is functioning properly because if it's not, it's going to disrupt the balance of, of estrogen in the body and it's going to impair all those processes I just mentioned and more, um, and not to mention it's just going to make people feel lousy. Ed, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I did a little uh, show prep and uh, I, I put in a, a search term, uh, constipation and breast cancer and mm. i couldn't find any recent articles because it's, it appears that that doesn't interest uh mds you know conventional <laughs> medical doctors it probably interests uh, naturopathic physicians because they place a lot of importance on on uh, gut health uh but there is a study 1989 i don't know what you were doing in 1989 but uh you know <laughs> i was just getting started i was, I was graduating high school <laughs> there you go <laughs> Bowel function and breast cancer in U.S. women. All right. And what they conclude is that there is an association between uh, less frequent bowel movements and a higher risk of breast cancer. And then after 1979, they said, well, that's interesting. Then they just dropped that thread entirely. <laughs> uh, and it, but it, it is intriguing. And so uh, how does that fit into this uh, uh, estrobolome theory? Well, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. So, so part of what the bacteria and the estrobilum do is that they, they actually make um, an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase. And what beta-glucuronidase does is it helps to um, dismantle conjugated or kind of bound up estrogen so that it, it leaves more estrogen to be free and circulating um, in the bloodstream where it can have its effects. So you can imagine in a situation where there's too much beta-glucuronidase, you know, as the body's trying to process estrogen and kind of bind it up so that it can be removed through the stool, you know, you have the parts that we need and use, and then you want to get rid of the rest of it. If your beta-glucuronidase is high, it's going to dismantle that. It's going to release that estrogen back into the bloodstream. You're going to have more circulating estrogen. Sometimes the body's having to process it a second or even a third time. And Mm -hmm. I was taught in naturopathic medical school that um, we tend to see, you know, when somebody's constipated, you want to look for beta-glucuronidase levels because if the stool is staying around longer in the body, there's a possibility that you're going to have more of that deconjugation by that enzyme and you're going to end up with, again, the higher circulating estrogen, which leads to more estrogen dominance, right? That's a relative dominance of estrogen in comparison to progesterone, which is associated with a lot of different things, breast cancer being one of them. And but also associated with uh, uh, heavier periods, uh, more PMS, uh, you know, weight gain, cravings, extreme mood fluctuations. Uh, oh, obesity, that, heart disease, yeah. bone loss, PCOS, infertility, mood disturbance, estrogen dominance, not something that your conventional docs 
probably going to bring up with you, mm-hmm. but is something that most, you know, functional slash integrative slash naturopathic doctors are absolutely going to try to talk to you about because it's quite common. So it's a, it seems to be a kind of a double whammy because what happens in the gut doesn't stay in the gut, and the gut is located right adjacent to the liver. And everything that happens mm-hmm. in the gut goes through the portal circulation to the liver, and that's where a lot of estrogen breakdown occurs. And when the liver's not doing a good job, uh, estrogen uh, overaccumulates, right? Correct. So phase two detox in the liver, right? All your, the vast majority of your hormones are going to be metabolized in the liver during phase two detoxification. It's very nice. You know, as you can attest, um, you know, the, the naming of parts of the body is not always intuitive, but I was always impressed that they decided to call it phase one and phase two detox of the liver. Like I could actually understand that, right? So phase one, you know, takes these, uh, these nutrients, these, uh, hormones and chemicals and things, starts the process of detoxifying them, you get these intermediary metabolites in between phase one and phase two, which sometimes can be more toxic. So you need phase two to keep it moving on out. And the idea is to take some of these fat-soluble substances and turn them into water-soluble things that are easier for the body to get rid of. There's lots of different pathways in phase two, but two of them are called sulfation. So you're pairing whatever that intermediate metabolite is with a sulfur molecule or glucuronic acid, Mm -hmm. right? So most of our hormones are metabolized down either sulfation or glucuronidation pathways. Now, that might sound familiar because what I, the enzyme I just mentioned is called beta-glucuronidase, and mm-hmm. that's because, you know, when we do that glucuronidation, we bind it up to the glucuronic acid. It's cruising through the bowel, ready to be removed from the body, and, and then, boom, if it's around too long, if beta-glucuronidase levels are high, which can result from an estrobolome that's out of balance, you're going to deconjugate the estrogen from its little chaperone molecule and send it back into the you body. To reabsorb it and have to manage it all over again, and, mm-hmm. and that, you know, can be a problem over time. So there's a supplement uh, called uh, 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 calcium D-glucarate. Does that have something Correct. to do with the glucuronidation cycle? Because we sometimes give that for estrogen dominance. Absolutely, right? So, you know, we often give sulforaphane to help with the sulfur part of that, and we often give calcium deglucurate um, to help with the glucuronic part of that. So, yeah, so if I do a stool test with somebody and I see that their beta-glucuronidase is high, because this can be seen on a functional stool test, um, you know, calcium deglucurate is definitely going to be on my list of things to give, um, as well as potentially, you know, um, sulforaphane or some type of uh, cruciferous vegetable um, pr- product like DIM or I3C. Um, and then, of course, getting back to, okay, so then what do we do about this estrobolome and the, and the microbiome in the mm-hmm. first place? Because yeah. if we can get that functioning better, that's going to help too. Indeed. So, I mean, the solutions uh, include uh, certain supplements, but also diet uh, and probiotics. So let's tackle those. Yeah. So, you know, I think when it comes to diet, I mean, obviously, or maybe not obviously, like, uh, obvious to me, um, obviously we want to do things like um, look at a low glycemic index diet. So, you know, we know that, you know, sugar is inflammatory in the gut and does not help us reach any of our long-term goals in that department. So, you know, if you've got, if I've got somebody who's really overeating their sweets and their carbs, and that's something I definitely want to look at. 
Um, I want to, you know, do the do the rainbow plate, right? The more colors that you have on your plate, um, the more antioxidants. Fruits and vegetables are full of fiber, um, which are going to be incredibly helpful as well. I mentioned a cruciferous vegetable-derived supplement like DIM or I3C, but of course, eating cruciferous vegetables, mm-hmm. uh, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kale, um, all of those things um, can be very helpful. Also, um, beans, again, high in fiber, high in antioxidants. Um, also, when I think about estrogen metabolism, I always think about um, soy food. I know soy can be controversial in some circles. I feel like um, whole soy foods, fermented soy foods, when you can do it, fermented soy would be things like uh, miso, natto, tempeh, um, you know, but even some, you know, some edamame and some soy nuts, a little bit of tofu, I, you know, soy has some very beneficial effects uh, on estrogen metabolism as do flax seeds. Um, I mentioned the cruciferi. I always think about fish and essential fatty acids uh, that are in fish as being an important part of that. Um, and of course, fermented foods. Um, you know, which you know, certainly segues us towards segues us towards uh, towards talking about um, supplements. But obviously, fermented foods. You know, um, kefir, uh, yogurt with live culture. If you tolerate dairy, um, you know, sauerkraut, uh, raw fermented vegetables. Um, there's tons of fermented. Drinks. Oh, I love kimchi. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, and then there's tons of fermented um, drinks out there too, which I think can be a really nice thing to add. But I would caution anybody who's doing, um, you know, kombucha or probiotic drinks to to really watch for sugar because they can be they they don't mm-hmm. always taste great. They can taste really vinegary, yep. and um, a lot of times they just dump tons of sugar in yeah. there. So you want to be careful about that. So when it comes to probiotics, you know, you're an experienced practitioner, uh, you know, as I, as I talk to you, you're in the office, uh, you see patients, uh, you got a choice, mm-hmm. a bewildering array of uh, probiotic products out there. Uh, do any stand out for addressing uh, the estrobolone? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, so Dr. O'Hara's probiotics are one of my favorites, um, and, and here's why. This is really different than when I, when I went to school, again, 25 years ago, um, we talked a lot about does, does a person have enough good bacteria, right? Like what's their abundance like? <laughs> and, and, of course, what we've learned since then is that very infrequently does somebody not have enough, but it's more about balance and diversity. Um, and so that's why we use the word dysbiosis or imbalance. We talk about diversity. And so um, as that started to become clear to me, it started to seem counterintuitive to me that the way to fix the microbiome would be to give extremely high mega doses of one, three, even 12 different strains. And we've got, you know, thousands of species, trillions of organisms, and to make a dose one or two just didn't feel to me like it was really going to be um, fixing the problem. Mm-hmm. So I actually found O'Hara's, um, I was doing my residency in, in Connecticut. Um, I am from Connecticut, New York, and I mm-hmm. practice in New York. It's a very naturopathic school there, and uh, it's sort of yep. a free yep. fire zone for naturopathic practice. Some states are very restrictive, but there's a, a ton of naturopathic physicians in Connecticut, so it's very convenient yeah, yeah. practicing. Yeah, and I did my residency there, and um, I was in a health food store one day, and I saw O'Hara's on the shelf, and I picked it up, and it was not a huge mega dose um, of lactobacillus, although there was lactobacillus in it. But what really caught me was that what they were doing is putting the prebiotic in with the probiotic and also together in with the postbiotics. So 
let's unpack that for a second. Mm-hmm. So we think about probiotic, probiotic, like, you know, put in the good bacteria. So first of all, the good bacteria can't do what they need to do if there's no if there's no food for them to eat, right? So they metabolize, you know, they, they eat the prebiotic, which, you know, largely comes from high-fiber foods, you know, fruits, uh, vegetables, seaweeds, mushrooms, things like that. Um, and in the fiber, you know, with short-chain fatty acids is another way that you'll sometimes hear them called. The, the, the probiotics, the bacteria, eat them up, and they produce things. And that's why we love the probiotics. The, the pro, we, we, we love our probiotics because of what they do for us. And what they do for us is they digest this hopefully fiber-rich environment that we've created for them through what we eat. And then they, um, in the process of metabolizing that food, they make B vitamins, vitamin K, glutathione, which is the body's master antioxidant, um, a variety of different antimicrobial, antibacterial, antiviral substances. So when, when, when our microbiome is happy and balanced, we, our nutrient levels are more optimized. Our antioxidant status is better. Our ability to, to fight infection and modulate the immune system um, is better. When we just take probiotic, um, we're just, you know, crossing our fingers that that's all happening the way it's supposed to. What I love about O'Hara is, is that it's not just a probiotic. It's actually, um, like, it, it, is, it is a probiotic system because the probiotic are actually um, are raised over the course of three to five years, depending which product you get, in large vats feeding off of all of this incredible organic probiotic material. And then some of the stuff that they make, we'll, we'll call them postbiotic metabolites, gets taken as well. And when you take O'Hara's, you're actually getting that whole system. You're getting the prebiotic, the probiotic, and the postbiotic metabolites that are so useful. And so to me, I feel like that's more of a, of a guarantee that we're actually going to move this all in the right direction. It leaves, it leaves less up to chance. It sounds like a traditional food product that has been subjected to uh, more scientific investigation, you know, to standardize it, purify it, uh, and, uh, you know, study its, its, its attributes. Uh, yeah, that's a perfect. But that's a perfect way to put it. It really is somewhere in between, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I admire efforts to find the magical probiotic that you know will lower mm-hmm. your cholesterol or that will prevent you from getting urinary tract infections. But I wonder if it's if it's if it's going to be that simple. That that actually is the holy grail for a lot of uh, biomedical researchers who want to come up with uh, prescription probiotics yeah. Uh, yeah. in the future, so called functional probiotics. But uh, so far, uh, it sounds like traditional methods, uh, you know, remain superior. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I, I admire I admire that pursuit as well, you know, to find, uh, you know, probiotic A for or condition A. But, you know, it's a very Western, you know, pharmaceutical reductionist model, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and I think it doesn't, you don't even have to be an expert in the microbiome to know that there's so many moving parts and so much going on. So yeah, you know, we might find in certain studies that the Akkermansia species is really important for blood sugar control. Right. But you can't tell me that the other thousands of species in there aren't doing something as well. So you, you know, yep. you load it up with Akkermansia and which species decline because yep. you've increased all the Akkermansia. And, and, and there's actually, so it's like it's a there's sort of a balance there. And, and actually I've, I've been intrigued by uh, probiotics that claim to deliver acromansia, but then mm-hmm. I've read some literature that suggests that if you over-proliferate 
the acromancia, that's also not good. So, of course. Yeah, so it, it just unclear. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, you don't want too much lactobacillus either, you know, because, you know, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, right? So I feel like um, what, we're, what we are learning about the microbiome and its potential is moving so fast and it's, and it's vast, and our ability to try to actually, you know, do some of what we think we might be capable of doing someday, it's like we're so not there yet. <laughs> Indeed. Well, that's a that's a, a humble yeah. but realistic statement from a naturopath because, yeah. uh, you know, I think it was the ancient physician Maimonides uh, who taught his medical students the following aphorism, teach thy lips to say, I do not know. Uh, and that's, uh, I think, a very wise thing for health practitioners to uh, keep in mind. So, okay, good stuff. Uh, what we do know is that uh, <laughs> uh, we both uh, <laughs> often rely on Dr. Ahira's probiotics, and I'll, I'll provide a little bit of a lead on that. Vitamin Shop, Whole Foods, Sprouts, and other natural health retailers across the U.S. Uh, stock it. Uh, it's also available online. You go to essentialformulas.com to find a retailer near you. And I believe you can order online as well. So uh, there you have it for mm -hmm. Dr. Harris. Uh, okay, more on the subject of uh, the uh, astrobolome. That's a new term for me and probably is for many of you listeners. Uh, we're going to learn more about its ramifications with today's guest, Dr. M.A. Shunny. Uh, so I got all three right pronunciation of your name first and last and the astrobolome. So <laughs> Very I'm impressive. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman for part two of today's Intelligent Medicine podcast.